Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 161. This week on the show, I've got the guys from Arcane Ghosts. Um, had a great time talking with these guys. Uh, we did have, I had a minor issue where uh, last minute approval for a show. So I was having to do this conversation from my car um, and using my AirPods to my phone. So if my audio is a little bit choppy or messed up, I do apologize for that. But the guys were great sports about it. Um, Huge shout out to them, like I said, and really appreciate this conversation that we had. We talked about all kinds of stuff like kind of the lineup change and and development of the sound. And the new EP that they've just recently dropped, which is called Distant Youth, Um, we got into some of the songs on that and just had a really, really good discussion. So let's go ahead and just dive into it. This is my conversation with the boys in Arcane Ghosts. Um, To kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. Because I refuse to sit down and think of a better one. And it's the simple introduction. Who are you? What do you do in the band? And just a you know, brief background on yourselves. Steven, take it away. <laughs> oh, you want me to start? Okay. Uh, okay, so my name is Steven. Uh, I am the bassist and backup vocalist in Arcane Ghosts. Um, I've been playing bass maybe... Uh, it, uh, 16 years actually so a little while um yeah wow. what else can i say about well i don't know i'll do a quick little thing uh our drummer spasmir is uh not uh not currently with us at the moment he is here in spirit but uh you know he's a drummer and you know he's kind of the newest member of our king ghosts we i guess kind of recruited him toward the end of uh, 2021 um and yeah, I guess in addition to the bass and backup vocals, I can kind of, I'm kind of a quote unquote producer of the band where I kind of at least know the most about like recording and, you know, yeah. I kind of take care of the demos and try to mix this them as best true. I can. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. And yeah, Jason. Uh, so my name is Jason. I play guitar and sing in the band, uh, founding member of the band. It's been going strong. Can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, for people that aren't familiar with you guys, let's talk a little bit about who Arcane Ghost is before we get into like the new music and stuff. Um, You guys are based out of Toronto. Historically, Canada has, at least when it comes to my recollection of all the bands I've grown up listening to, Toronto's music scene is insanely diverse. What's it like trying to break into a music scene that is so diverse and like welcoming, but also kind of not because there's too many options a lot of times? I mean, that, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I I think uh, we we do our best. At the end of the day, we write the music for us, of course, but I think we always keep in mind um, our demographic and who's going to be listening to these songs too. Um, you know, that's why we always we always tell each other, like, we got to make it catchy, right? If it's not catchy, right. it's 
potentially not a good song, right? So catchiness always comes first for us when we're writing hooks and melodies. And I feel like I, I completely agree with you. The Toronto scene is so diverse in, in all the different genres of music that come out of the city. We got hip hop, we got deathcore, we got the hardcore scene, we got the pop punk scene, we got, you know, the pop artists. There's so many artists in so many different genres coming out of Toronto. And I think for us, what really makes us stand out too is that all three of us, um, for uh, minus our ex member Eric, because he was part of the writing process. Um, I think what it is is that all of us have different music that we listen to as well, right? And like for me personally, like I'm a huge hip hop fan, uh, pop fan, like anything that's catchy or has a really good hook or melody, like it's in my brain. And I feel like, you know, Steven listens to a lot of jazz. Um, he also plays jazz too. And I know Spaz listens to a lot of different types of music as well too. So I think this all kind of comes into our writing as well. And I think I'm hoping that, you know, this new album that we've done, we've touched in a little bit of those genres as well um, in our hooks, our instrumentation. And, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like I hope that, you know, we make a little bit of a mark on the Toronto scene with this EP you know, more opportunities pop up, more listeners. It's kind of, it's kind of what we hope from this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll just jump into like I, I also have like the pop sensibility, and uh, I have a background in like playing jazz. I don't really do it so much anymore, but uh, you know, there, there's the rock, there's the rap, and like uh, I try to take influence from like very unconventional. Uh, uh songs as well like if you look at kind of like you know older music that have like the different uh form like compared to mm -hmm. say like going first chorus first chorus like you can look at songs that have like you know like one one sort of like verse and then it just kind of repeats there how um, long how long was that song uh free bird again <laughs> oh something like, like nine minutes i think yeah yeah, unless you get the live version, then it's like 12 minutes and 38 seconds or something stupid. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, so. so it's just kind of trying to think outside the box, you know, other than, like, yeah, you can take influence from, like, a bunch of different genres, but, like, if you can kind of go a little deeper than that, you know, that yeah. can be a good... I, I think it's hard to, uh, it, like, it's really hard to make yourself noticed these days in terms of being different or trying a different sound. And I feel like with us, um, you know, we're trying, we're trying hard here. Like, you know, we're doing the best writing we can do and, and just uh, making the songs as catchy as possible, but also with what we like to call the arcane ghost sound, you know, like yeah. we're trying to make a definitive sound to our name of band. So when people listen to it, like, yeah, it sounds like an arcane, arcane ghost song, you know, it's got the hook, it's got the melody, it's got the leads, it's got the the drums, the bass is, is always banging. Like, you know, just we want to create that standard for the band with the name, uh, to our name. Yeah, yeah, sure. for sure. And I, I think, you know, something I want to touch on because back in high school, I played bass and I was drawn hey. to jazz music. So hey. the question is, were you drawn to jazz music because it's the improv for bass? Like, bass has no fucking rules in jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> uh no rules uh i i guess yeah like you there, there's a bunch of different like jazz basses that kind of yeah. you know they'll do their own thing they'll deviate from like the walking bass line or they'll add some more like melodic approaches to it uh but what 
Yeah, but I mean, kind of what drew me to jazz was like kind of the 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 more free form kind of style that yeah. you know you don't really get with other music. And of course, like when you really get better at like understanding like chord harmony and stuff like that, and you're able to just like make awesome like walking bass lines to that, like jazz, <laughs> jazz can get pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I just had to ask because. <laughs> yeah no well that, that was the is a whole like, other thing <laughs> when i was in high school i was in marching band and concert band and jazz band and all that and they're like why why do you do jazz band like so many of the the kids didn't didn't enjoy it and i'm like because i have no oh, fucking rules anymore man i'm just allowed yeah. to, to go jam like why would i not do that <laughs> oh of course yeah so um let's talk about some of the you know the influence into the sound that you guys you've kind of touched on a little bit but talk about you know building this definitive sound and again you know trying to make your mark for people that aren't familiar i've talked about it a few times on here um the most recent stat i've seen on it every single day sixty thousand songs are pushed to spotify so Mm -hmm. yeah trying to break through that barrier of noise What's that feel like while you're defining your sound? Stressful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to keep it real with you. I, honestly, it's so stressful. Like, um, you you write the music from the heart. You know, of course, it has to start there, right? Um, but at the same time, too, you're whether you like it or not, you're in competition with so much other music that could be better could be worse it it doesn't matter right it's just so much overload of music i think um to answer your question though for me personally like a big influence is um dance gavin dance i listen to a lot of dance gavin dance and uh, will swan is an amazing guitarist and i've learned over the years like kind of his style of writing and you know some some may hear it and some may think it's very like too much but for me it always feels like there's a way that you can kind of put a spin to it to make it just, just right. And I feel like that's kind of where I feel like I'm kind of making my, our own sound there because it's not copying it fully because when I listen to us and I listen to them, it's not the same, right? We don't have a screamer. We don't have like, uh, I'm not using really too many pedals on the synths and stuff like that. Very little intricate details that make it different. But at the same time, too, because I'm playing and singing at the same time, I have to choose which parts to throw these riffs into to make them bang. But also I have to be able to perform it live. Right. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing with Arcane Ghosts, too, is because because I'm singing and playing at the same time, I'm not always going to be able to do those tweedly riffs even though I'd love to, because I have to sing parts too, and I have to be realistic about what we're choosing, what we're keeping. And that's kind of like how I write those parts for the guitars usually. Um, And especially on this new record, it was like kind of a little bit challenging for me to kind of strip down a bit too from like human interference. I was like, let's throw the whole wall at this, you know, like I want leads here, leads here, leads here. Um, so with this new album, it was more of like, okay, let's dial it back a bit. What does the song need, right? What will make this song pop? It may not be the craziest riff. It may just be a four chord structure, but 
it's going to make that chorus bang so much harder. Like in Butterfly, you know, you have the straight four chords in the chorus, but they're, they're weird chords, right? We got, we always right. play with, um, with those songs specifically, we play an open G with a capo on, right? So you're making these weird, cool chord structures, kind of like what Steven was saying, like, almost like if you know music, um, you can really, really dial into making something to someone sound simple, but you know it's a little bit more complicated than just a normal chord structure, right? So yeah. for that, kind of like a, a nice back way for me to be like, okay, I'm going to play this chord and do this structure, and then I'll add these little things in there to kind of make it pop. So that's kind of like how I go doing like the guitar writing. Uh, more for the vocals is, is mostly just... Uh, what the song needs, what I feel. Um, a big thing that I do is I'll use like kind of gibberish and just make melodies over a riff mm -hmm. or over a bass riff um, just to be like, it sounds good. Like it sounds pleasing to the air, the ear at first. And then, you know, just got to pair it with really good lyrics and got a banger on your hands. Right. So yeah. that's kind of how I write most of the vocals for this band is just kind of like what sounds good, what feels good. And how, how do we wrap this up into a nice package kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, Steven will tell you more about how he writes about bass because I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I suppose I can start by saying, like, uh, just the general essence of, like, jazz. Um, like, uh, so, I, so, I mean, my two favorite bands, Green Day, Blink-182, I do take a lot of influence from Mike Dirt and Mark Hoppus, the bassist from those bands. Yeah. And also the, uh, our, well, not arguably, he absolutely is the best bass player to ever exist, Jocko Pastorius. <laughs> um, so those three guys, plus just the general essence of jazz, just kind of kind of makes up what I do. And like the, the whole no rules concept is especially kind of prevalent in this band. You know, I just, Jason plays, I just kind of, I might start with something that kind of complements it and then maybe... The, the more run-throughs I get of it, the more the more I can kind of, like, add fills that are, like, either better or, like, I'm just, you know, just yeah. being able to assess yourself properly and just kind of, you know, be critical of yourself and be like, okay, Steven, this sucks. You can do better than this, you know? <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep working on it, man. <laughs> oh, God, I've, I've heard those words too many times. Jason, this sucks. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but and with you Stephen, with you being um primary on like kind of mixing the demos and and doing production on that side have there been times where like jason's presented an idea and you're like bro what the fuck is it like i don't know what to do with this thing <laughs> I, I don't sorry go ahead Stephen. No. i mean it, it it's <laughs> maybe happened like once or twice um but, you know, there, there's always something kind of, like, creative we can do with whatever Jason kind of presents to the table. Like, assuming it's, like, or at least I think it's, like, a good idea or or whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, like, most of the stuff Jason comes up with is pretty good. But, of course, we don't want to settle for pretty good. We want to, you know, we want to go for <laughs> best stuff you've ever written and catchiest stuff you've ever written, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you guys have... You know, I hate bringing up COVID, you know, two years later, three years later, whatever we're technically at now, but it, it was influential heavily into this new EP for you guys. 
allowing you the time and freedom to like a slow down on the writing, but also expand your, your soundscape. What, obviously that was a conscious decision. What went into making that decision that like, let's not rush anything. Let's, let's build what we think is great. I think um, the biggest thing for us is experimentation, Uh, not just in terms of writing, but in terms of algorithm of the music industry itself. When you think about the music industry, it's so big, like your mind will explode. But in in our opinion, too, we, we really thought about the fact of, okay, we put out human interference. It's been out a while now. People are wanting more. They want new stuff and they want it now. But being an independent band, we are investing our own money into this. So we have to see some sort of return or we have to feel like what we're doing is making us stepping stones, right? We're getting somewhere better than where we started. So what we thought is, okay, what I noticed is that a lot of hip hop artists and a lot of new trap artists, they were only releasing one single at a time. And that was you know, they would kind of promote the single, do a video for the single, and then next one, next single, yeah. next video, next single, next video. And then next thing you know, all those singles ends up being an album or an EP. And you just have this like mass of every single time you put out a song, especially with Spotify, you can playlist it. If you put out an EP, you can only playlist one of those songs, right? So yeah it's a little bit of strategy but also we didn't want to rush because we also wanted to write the best that we can write too um so it's kind of a combination of the two it's kind of like we wanted to strategize be smart with our decision be smart with our money and how we're investing it and that's kind of why it was on a little bit on the longer side because we really wanted to see the market see the stats who's listening most who's listening less where should we be you know playing shows where should we not be playing shows? Who should we not be playing shows? Who should we be playing? Just all those different questions you ask yourself because you want to consistently get better, right? And that's kind of like Stephen was really good with helping about, you know, choosing because he's pretty decent at like promoting and, and getting people to come to shows too. So he was saying, okay, look, we need to stop doing these kind of shows and do these kind of shows. The ones with max exposure and max you know, people coming and more fan base is better than just taking any random show that gets offered to us, right? No matter how much we want to play live, we have to be smart with how we do it. And the same thing goes in with the music. When we put in a single, it goes to Spotify, could get playlisted, it could not get playlisted. And we were learning every single time we did a single release, we also have to back it with PR because that way it gets to the biggest masses, right? we noticed after in the blue that we're like this is working you know like we're getting more fans we're getting more fan base we need to continue this but on a bigger scale so then Mm -hmm. as you know we've got in touch with becky and that's why we're you know doing this in such a grand feel because like i've said before you know our our closest fans have heard these songs already but we're trying to be smart and you know as much as we want them to be happy too they're listening already we need to target the people who are not listening right so that's kind of why we want to really make this uh, release for distant youth as big as we can because we want to touch those those listeners that have the liking for that sound but just you know music there's so much music that we probably get drowned out by other 
bands as well right so it's kind of just trying to stick out in like a huge crowd type of vibe so yeah for sure yeah. um i was gonna say i think you know that that single method a lot of people have adopted um probably modeled after the hip-hop arena as well but i think the the thing is especially nowadays really i think covid kind of accelerated this issue the attention span of people just isn't long enough to set an album out and let them listen to it all the way through they're going to listen to a song or two and then they're going to move on to the next thing because they're just bored and that you know you've got three to five minutes tops to hook somebody into listening to you yeah, yeah. And you can and you can tell the industry is in that direction because a lot of these bigger artists you look at the track list on some of these albums they're huge we're talking like yeah. 21 songs we're talking almost 18 songs like the industry knows best and they know that their listeners have the attention span of like they just they want they want more and they want it now and that's why tiktok is such a booming application because tiktok you can release a song or a cover or whatever on a daily basis if you wanted to right yeah i'll um i'll maybe jump in and like kind of talk yeah. about the whole like album thing like i i kind of like we're doing like a bunch of like written interviews and stuff. And I actually like answered a question kind of like talking about like, you know, is the, the full length album obsolete or like, you know, everyone's right. doing singles. Like, do you think the albums still, al albums still have a place? And I, I think they absolutely do still have a place with, with bands or artists that have like a well, like established following that like they, their diehard fans are actually going to like, you know, listen to the album all the way through. And not only that, but like listen to it on repeat, right? For a local right. band, you know, band of our size, you know, it just, it just doesn't make sense. You, you, you just don't have those people who want to listen to an album. And of course it's, if we want to maintain the level of production and recording quality we've had, we would have to spend probably like, like 30 grand on just like recording the album alone. And that's not including promotion and doing like music videos and all that. So it's just for, for smaller artists, it just makes more sense to do the quality over quantity approach. And, you know, one single, one video and, you know, whatever you would spend on the album, put it into like PR and marketing, right. So make sure yeah. that song gets heard. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a really, out way to, to approach it because you're absolutely right like the only time for a newer or smaller band that the full album approach i think makes more sense is if it's a truly like conceptual album where like it's one cohesive story period but like at the same time i've talked to several artists fairly recently that have done different concept albums and the question is always but is with today's attention span back to that part of it are people diving in to listen and really follow the story and character or are they grabbing a song that they love off your album and that goes on the workout playlist or whatever mm -hmm. i think it's kind of half and half i mean like i know for myself personally like I just heard the new all-time low record and I've been an all-time low fan for as long as I can remember since grade nine. And, you know, they've had records such as Dear Maria and, you know, those songs that have gotten so big and so like 
almost like scene defining type of songs right and i heard the new record and at first i was a little bit like kind of like ah this is like cookie cutter kind of same thing but then when i realized that it's a story i kind of like i've been listening to it every day on my yeah. drive to work and i'm like this is actually really good like this is you know it's not normal all time low that i'm used to and that's probably the hardest part and that's always a hard part when artists change sounds you have to adapt as well right but just that kind of i think you have the two markets there are the musicians that i'm i'm assuming like myself and steven and probably tons of other musicians out there when you listen to an album if you have done any writing in your life you know it's not the easiest thing to do so when people come up with these really intricate ideas for concept albums and story albums i always t tip my hat off to them because i know that's very hard to do and very staying consistent within the album to make sure every single song complements the feel the theme the you know that's what i always look for too but i do have friends too that you know would pick out a song out of that concept album and be like this is my favorite song and just listen to that song like thousand times over but it just depends on 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 who you are right like it, it depends what you like if you don't really have the attention span to sit there and listen to 13 14 songs all in one sitting and you just like that one song then either way that that band is still going to be getting the streams from that one song right and that one song will probably be one of the more popular ones when they play it live too right so yeah and i i think you know it's kind of funny you mentioned all time looks i've been a big fan of them for a long time too um and i know you're not meaning it this way but it's it's always kind of ironic when you hear people say stuff like you know oh it's not their old stuff almost like not really in a gatekeeper way but kind of in that gatekeeper way of like oh i wish they'd still play dear maria and it's like yeah they were like 22 years old when they wrote that you know they're not the oh, same yeah. dudes anymore they've grown up like you know and it, it, yeah. it's you you have to kind of to your point you grow with them or you grow apart and that's okay too yeah and i think that's kind of cool too i always find it really cool the fact that like one of my favorite favorite bands like pierce the veil right like they were huge when like uh came out when i was in high school but then they just kind of like disappeared a little bit during the misadventures album and then tiktok came a thing and now there's kids that are i don't know 10 years younger than us that are just learning right. about the music and blowing it up on tiktok again and now pierce the veil is on top of their game bigger than they've ever been so it's crazy how music is right like i mean i think it really comes down to everyone enjoys music regardless sometimes of the genre everyone has their their niche that they like right but i think it really comes down to marketing and and getting it in front of the right people right and that's why i was saying tiktok is such a huge app for that because it's such a big platform and i've yeah. noticed with tiktok it's one of those things that like when twitter first came out if you tweeted like a famous person when twitter first came out like half of the time you'd be getting a response right because it right. would be actually them using that account and that's kind of how tiktok is now it's usually like that actual person using the account so that's why they're always like resharing these cool covers and and it's just really cool to see because you know like instagram and facebook half of the time is probably just run by some marketing person right right so yeah 
it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It brings back kind of that, the old school connection that we all wanted from bands like, and I'm 38 years old. I grew up in the MySpace days. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I remember, um, I don't know if you guys will remember this band or not, Secondhand Serenade. Um, yep. So the lead singer, John, and I were friends on MySpace back in the day and like legitimately talked all the time. Nice. We, you know, lost connection for a while, but I hit him up like a year or two ago. It was during COVID. And he's like, oh, dude, like how you been? Like remembered my name and all that shit. And like, you Instagram, like you said, it's sometimes it's the band or the artist or whoever, but there's also a good chance that it's a PR person, an assistant, their best friend's brother, you know, like just somebody trying to help out. Yeah. And exactly. you lose yeah. a lot of that connection there. You lose that connection. Right. And I think the music industry, especially the local one in particular, like it's all about connections, right? Like every time we play a show, you know, after the show, we're sitting by the merch booth and people are coming to us and telling us what they thought about the show or wanting to buy a t-shirt and those kind of connections, you can't, you can't really pay for that. Like you can't, right. you can't fake it, right? You either have fans or you don't, right? And I think that's why it's a really big thing of, for us, for me personally, just like really introducing myself to everyone that comes to the show because, they don't have to be there. They could do so many other things with their time, but they're choosing to be there and watching us. Like it means the world. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about music in general, but specifically like in the, um, the indie alt rock pop punk, whatever box we want to put you in, because you don't fit in a box if we're being really honest about it. But uh, if we're going to put you in a box, I think the, the cool thing with this kind of subsect of music is the authenticity and people can recognize themselves in your songs and it builds that connection as well. Cause it's like, man, that guy has been through the same, you know, shitty relationships that I have, or, you know, he misses his fucking dog from when he was a kid too. Like whatever it is, it's there. And they go, I see myself in this. Um, and I think, you know, staying true to yourself is what helps bring in those those additional fans like what you're saying um you know you didn't have to spend your thursday night with us like you could have done a hundred other things especially in toronto like there's so <laughs> oh, yeah. many other shows going on like you could have done something else it's probably like here you are shows every night or even more than eight shows every night in toronto it's crazy yeah, yeah so let's talk about authenticity and the ep um distant youth like you don't have to get into like necessarily the specifics of a song because we don't want to steal that connection from people, but talk about, you know, writing your life in a sense into your music. I think uh, lyrically speaking, like um, this album was really good for me to get a lot of things that were on my chest that I never really had a chance to express or talk about um, because because the genre, like you said, it's very hard to define. There were so many ways that I could go about writing uh, lyrics for these songs. And I feel like, um, you know, like, like to give an example, a song like Butterfly, right? Like it's so playful. 
it's so very indie rock it's very like dance vibes you know happy feels so for that song i really went a little weird with it and you know like like as i said a huge dance game and dance fan i'm also a fan of john mess as a lyricist i like how dance game and dance when they write their lyrics half of the time it's very on perception what you think of it right there's no actual like this is this this is that where some bands do have that right and i kind of really love that way of writing because it it allows the mind to really stir and start to paint different pictures maybe pertaining to your life right so that's kind of how i went writing in some of these songs was in that kind of aspect of i don't want to be too literal or too critical on like what i'm trying to say i'm going to keep it very open but open enough that any listener will really kind of understand the theme that i'm going for or what i'm trying to talk about so songs like um I don't know if you've heard the newest one uh, that's coming out Friday is Paralyzed. Um, mm-hmm. It was part of the album. And like, for me, that song was really close to me because um, it's about losing someone that you, you love. And, it, and it's, as we all can uh, relate to it, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough place to be. Right. And um, you have so many memories and connections with these people and all of a sudden they're gone. Right. And, and you have to, you can mourn them and, and that's fine, but, at the same time too your day-to-day doesn't stop right right yeah you know you you need the time you can take the time off work but how much time can you take really right and like you need to you can separate yourself from everyone else but how long can you do that for and that that song's really close to me you know i i lost my grandmother maybe a year ago and she was like a huge like um huge light in my life i never really got to see her too much because she was from a different country but when we did see each other, it was like always felt like home, you know. So it's kind of one of those things that like I wrote it with that kind of in my mind as well. And I feel like that being the last song on the record that I wrote, um, it's I got really deep because that was past COVID. That was kind of like when COVID started to kind of come to an end. And I was like, I need to really, really push what i'm trying to say and and really really put my feelings in these lyrics too because i want other people to feel kind of the solace that i felt when i heard this song finished for the first time right yeah and i feel like the best way to sum it up is distant youth is honestly without being cheesy it is a roller coaster of emotions when you're listening to this i know we have a song called roller coaster (laughs) but it's so true like it's just a it really goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, happy vibes, sad vibes, fun vibes, you know, chill vibes, everything. It ranges from so many different things. And I feel like I'm really hoping the listeners get a feel of the same thing that we feel when we hear the record front to back. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Steven? You want to elaborate on that at all? (laughs) Oh, elaborate on what the emotions and stuff like that or? Yeah. Yeah, just kind of putting the album together and, and, you know, that process for you, obviously less lyrically, but more on the uh, the sonic side for you. Right. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, Jason's going to write his lyrics and, you know, we all kind of like pitch in and kind of like, you know, he, he mainly writes them and then, you know, I come in with my, this sucks, let's change it. This is good. Let's keep it spiel um (laughs) but yeah no sonically like it's all it's i at least lately like you like the vocal like the the essence of the song like all the instrumentation and vocal melodies will all generally come first and it's all kind of like 
what what mood is is this music creating like what sort of lyrical themes can complement this because that's kind of that's kind of how the um kind of how the the senses work a little bit where like you know you you hear uh you hear a mood sonically and then like you know if there's if these lyrics kind of like fit together and with that and you know you're not going to have this really drab sounding song and then talking about how you got a perfect uh 300 score in like bowling or something right <laughs> um, i don't know man that that just described 2010s metalcore pretty well literally yeah uh... <laughs> yeah uh, okay but i i suppose like for for like kind of like more the mainstream like right. masses of sorts like they're gonna want that sort of parallel like mood kind of going on with like what what's happening sonically with the music versus like you know the relatability of the lyrics like it just all it all comes together to like form like a a perfect unit if you will cohesive song yeah for sure and i think you know it, as cliche as it is music is the universal language right like obviously we all we all on this call speak english so we hear the words we understand the words but you know there i've listen to just such a wide gamut of music there are definitely songs that i've listened to that are in fucking french or german or whatever and i'm like i don't know what he's saying but the fucking music's there and that's all that it, it's getting that that emotion built up so Absolutely. you know i do yeah. think that that's that's the thing is everything's while everything is separate everything's very much tied together when it comes to the senses as well that the music if powerful enough has the ability to draw those emotions, whether they relate or understand the words or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, like even with my own listening, like, I mean, I'm biased because, you know, I'm a musician, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things I hear in music that like, you know, a non-musician isn't going to notice. But for, for me personally, like lyrics are kind of almost like an afterthought, you know, it's like on the first listen, right. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm hearing the, I'm hearing the beat, I'm hearing, you know, all the different, like, you know, guitar, bass, like, I'm hearing, like, the vocal melody, of course, but, like, the mm -hmm. lyrics kind of just don't really register for, you know, whatever reason, and it's, I, I also have a thing, too, like, where it's, like, if I notice the lyrics on the first listen, chances are, like, it's probably bad lyrics, but, like, I'll maybe pick up a line <laughs> or two, and then, um, <laughs> Cause like, I don't know, bad lyrics stick out like a sore thumb to me. I don't know what it is, but, but yeah, you know, you maybe like, you know, if there's like a certain mood I'm feeling and then like, if I listen to a song enough times, then I'll start to notice the lyrics. And then, you know, if I feel like, you know, pulling them, like looking them up on the internet and like pulling them out and then, then that's when I can really start to like analyze them and kind of figure out, oh yeah, no, no, this, yeah, no, this mood is definitely like, you know, things are really in line here. And it's like, oh, this is why I've noticed the lyrics now at this point after many listens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time on this podcast and even like in my friend circle, anytime an artist drops a new album, like the first three times, listen to it front to back as a minimum, because I'm the same way. Like the first time through for me is primarily the music. I'll catch, like you said, I'll catch some lyrics here and there, but it's like, okay, what caught my attention? The second listen is usually like trying to focus more on the words. And then the third is like the dive in like, oh, I see why they did that lyrically with this sound. And this is why 
that ties into this, like you get that more robust experience. Um, plus, I feel like it's slightly disrespectful to the artist to not listen to it in the order that they arranged it because it's in that order for a fucking reason. Fair, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a fair point. So, um, obviously, you guys have all kinds of shit that you're trying to do. What's 2023 kind of look like for you as far as you know, the, the EP technically finally uh, resolves itself on the 31st. Um, what's, you know, spring slash summer look like in, in Toronto for you? Um, I mean, we've, uh, we've already started writing, um, writing new music. Um, so we're, we definitely want to push on that more, um, but also shows. We really want to play tons of shows to promote tons of good shows to promote uh the new ep um so we are planning some shows i know steven's been working on some some big shows he's he's trying to plan for the end of the year kind of around the september october area we really want to try and uh really try and pack these venues now you know we really got to show uh the labels out there that we mean business and we really got to make a name for ourselves in the Toronto scene that, you know, we we're not a, we're a force to be reckoned with. So um, that's kind of what 2023 is going to be about. I think just promoting the EP and um, trying to get more listeners, maybe some opportunities across C Nazis across the U S would be nice. Um, I know I definitely want to play over there. I know a lot of the fan base and the stats are showing that, you know, people in the States are listening more than Toronto. <laughs> so we definitely <laughs> To try and touch that because i feel like they're hungry for it you know it's yeah been a long I, time. I do think we need that like label funding first to like you know p2 visas are just incredibly expensive like canadian bands just get screwed so hard if they want to play in a great market yeah. like the u.s so yeah and you know obviously yeah. you want to tour with a band that you know has like a sufficient yeah. following can you know you can play to a couple hundred people at the very least every night right so right so yeah, it's, it's yeah it's funny you mentioned that because that's been a common conversation that i've had here lately um i just had jake from between you and me on and nice. you know they were talking about the same thing like coming from australia like y'all don't understand the expense that it takes for us to cross these these borders you know and like he wasn't complaining by any means but he estimated for them to get well it wasn't even that much of an estimation. They're coming over. They're playing a tour with um, Knuckle Puck and, and Real Friends next month. And he said to get their equipment, the band, and I think he said they just have a photographer coming with them. They're right around $10,000 to get everything across from Australia to the U.S. for them. Oh, yeah. Just to come play a month worth of shows, you know? like That's crazy. Holy shit. That doesn't even <laughs> include the cost of living for the next like month doesn't include the cost of food water that's crazy travel that's insane and i know that recently i I was keeping up with them i know they recently uh left the label and now they're doing independence so everything's on them yep they are a hundred percent independent right now they uh technically fulfilled their contract with uh with hopeless and we talked about that a little bit but um yeah it it, it's the same like i think people have a misconception when it's a canadian band because oh you're literally just driving across the border but no it's not an open (laughs) no that (laughs) that's that's you guys (laughs) right yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's a one-way street. I do know why that's a one-way street. If we're being I honest, but yeah, I, um, I know too. It's, it's just it's the like it's the American laws. They just want to make sure no one's like coming into the land and making money, and they're not getting a piece of it. Kind of essentially, yeah. right? And it makes sense, like, if you were to look at it from, like, you're going to go work for someone in the States. But it, it that kind of changes your perception on, like, music in general, right? When you think of music, you think of hobby, you think of for fun. But then you remember, like, yeah, this is actually is a job for a lot of people. Like, they make their right. main, main income from yeah. this. Right? The, the other thought process, albeit flawed, um, with, like, charging the canadians like or, or any non-american bands the p2 visa or whatever it is is like you know the, the way they see it it's like oh you're taking that gig opportunity away from an american band so yes. ha 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 we're gonna charge you out the out the ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it's insane you know it, it's just absolutely insane and it's the the thing that i think or i hope at least that fans and listeners are realizing now you know, as the pandemic has, as much as it can go away and things like that, you know, the, the world's trying to get back to normal. I do think there's a hunger for live music. So it does make me hopeful that like, okay, I'm not necessarily waiting because, oh, I'll see them again. Like I may not see them again. I need to go to this show. Um, yeah. So I think the support level is a little higher than it was years ago. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, when you cross over, especially as a Canadian band, I've had a couple of friends of ours that have done it. Um, yeah, like they said, the support is insane. Like people come out, people buy merch, people, you know, they're doing everything they can to support you to live out that dream and make it a reality, right? Um, yeah. I guess when you play Toronto a couple times in the same year, you know, people will buy merch the first time, but then after that, it's, they already have it kind of thing. Right. So yeah. they're really coming out to support you, which is, which is great. But I, I really truly think that from, from everything that there is in the world of marketing and promotion and exposure, I truly, truly believe, and I'll put my fingers on it, that playing the most amount of shows and creating those general connections is the best way to, to really get your name out there like TikTok and and those those bands um that come from that like realm of TikTok like loveless and you know those big bands that are blowing up they're just getting a piece of that now right yeah you know they've been in their rooms creating these songs getting millions of streams but where's where's the connection live right and that's why yeah. now they're going out on tour and they're getting that connection and it's great it's just a different way of doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Loveless as a great example. Um, Bad Omens is kind of in the Pierce the Veil type of situation where they were they playing play stuff and it was there, but they weren't as well known. They have a couple songs Whoa. blow up on TikTok. Now those dudes have been on the road for the last fucking year and, you know, Noah's blowing out his voice in fucking Brazil. So yeah, if you see those videos from their shows now, from before they blew up on TikTok, it's actually insane. It's the younger demographic. It really is like that younger demographic kind of got into the music based off a trend, and their shows are packed, sold out almost every single time they play. Right, and that's kind of the thing. Like uh, we always talked about doing covers and 
doing that kind of stuff. But we truly believe like this band in general, uh, Steven and myself, we're not opposed to covers. I've done them in the past in my previous bands and, and they're great assets, but you don't really, at least for us, we don't really want to get pegged as a cover band. And I feel like it, there's something real about making it in the music industry with your original music lyrics yeah. uh com- like you know composition everything to a t is yours right because yeah. you know when you do covers okay this song is huge for a reason it's it's a huge song right, right. so people are going to listen to it and they already know their perception of the original they hear yours it has a little bit of a different twist to it they're like i love it save boom then that band blows up just from a cover there's nothing wrong with it everyone has their different outlets of how they want to reach the top but i think specifically speaking for this band we really really want to try and push the originality and just keep it real you know all our original music and i feel like the kind of position we're in right now i feel like we're doing everything we can to push it and and i'm i'm pretty stoked for the release this friday so yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. My... i i think you know you mentioned that and it makes me laugh a little bit because like a couple bands came to mind. One that blew up because of a cover was I prevail with their Taylor Swift blank space cover, but they've steered away from it ever since, you know, like, cool. It got Mm -hmm. us here, but like, we're not a cover band. We're going to go the opposite direction. Right. And the band that I think is reverse of that, at least for me in my mind is our last night. I can't name a single one of their original songs, but I know I mean, their really? covers when I hear them. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I remember back in, God, I sound old back in the day, but <laughs> I remember when I first heard, um, it was a band called life on repeat. Yes. And they had the cover of party in the USA mm-hmm. and it was so freaking good. And then I remember from there, I went to go listen to their original songs and I was like hooked, but like, for some reason, it felt like back then, it was like this niche, you know, like no one was doing covers. And then you, I heard like all these different colors are like punk goes pop was huge, yep. right? Alicenna did like what goes around comes around. You had a band called Therefore Tomorrow that did Icebox, like all these different bands that were really small. Now that I think about it at the time, just we're really, really getting more and more listeners and everything was organic back then, right? You only had, um, what was it? Pure volume. Uh, yeah. Pure volume. Pure volume. YouTube was just YouTube starting was up just around starting. that time. Last yeah. FM was around, I think. Uh-huh. Pandora, yeah. you couldn't even make playlist at that time. It was the, the bullshit yeah. station thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You would have a windows media player. You, you, would be like the only place sometimes where you could like track kind of the songs where you want them uh in your library but yeah it was it was crazy and like just thinking about covers back then when when they would just do them very scarcely i felt like that to me was very original you know they're not doing it every single time but they're doing it and they're really really throwing their twist on it so as soon as you hear that intro riff or you hear the intro vocals boom that's that band right so yeah i I definitely think like um covers are great i I love covers it's just like i said for this band i think we're really trying to we've been in it for so long kind of i would say we've been in for a while now and we just really want to try and push the original music right yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have to dive into it unless you've already heard it, but T-Pain just released an album of just covers and it is something. Uh, he did a Good cover of uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. Hmm. Uh, don't Stop Believing is one of the covers because who doesn't love Journey? Um, oh, but he does a cover of War Pigs and I, I can't get into it because it's T-Pain singing War Pigs. But I have a buddy that's like, dude, no, it, it's killer. It's one of the best covers of it I've ever heard. And I'm like, you don't fuck with Ozzy. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, that's what I was telling you, Steven. There's, there's certain artists that you, unless you know you're doing it justice, you just don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do encourage you to go listen to it at least once just to, just to experience oh, yeah. gonna, I, I just pulled it up on Spotify, so I'm going to probably I'm gonna listen to it. On, I'm going to listen to it on my drive home. Yeah, the, the cover art is something special, too. So uh, enjoy that. <laughs> um, on, gotta, oh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a <laughs> what an it's called. Cover. Like, what's it called? On top of the covers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, obviously, I'll link all your socials and stuff. But, you know, as we kind of wrap up the standard outro here, uh, what's the best way to interact with you guys online? You know, where where do you want to direct people to you? So um, 10, 10 out of 10 times, if you send us an email, I'll see it. But for the fans, Instagram. Like, I'm always on Instagram. I kind of jumped recently back onto Twitter. I'm not a huge Twitter user, but I feel like there were a couple of old fans that only did use Twitter that didn't really populate into Instagram. So I'm trying to get back and trying to pull them in again. Um, So probably Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We always try and answer our messages. You know, Mm -hmm. there's people that message us or tag us in the stories and we always repost it talk with them like i said we really enjoy making connections with these people and the fact that they're taking time out of their day to listen to our music it's the least we can do right? oh of course yeah yeah i would love talking to the fans it's number one yeah awesome guys i appreciate it um definitely you know gonna try to broadcast you as much as i can uh um, oh please do and, please do know, yeah Thank you. <laughs> hopefully hopefully give you some lift there but um you know as soon as you guys get to the states we'll we'll link up somewhere i'm three hours from chicago so that's not a nice. terrible drive for you guys either um no it's yeah, a not bullshit bad. drive <laughs> chicago's probably what eight hours from where we are pretty much uh, give but, or take probably yeah, yeah. Oh, give yeah. or take yeah so um but yeah you know definitely we'll we'll stay you know locked on you guys see what we can do as far as collaborations or whatever in the future as well and um i'm sure this won't be the last time we talk oh perfect Thanks glad so to much, hear that uh, Thanks so much for the opportunity, man. We appreciate it. All the support. Yeah, of course. This was fun. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it. Not a problem, guys. I appreciate it too. And have a good night. I'm going to go shoot a concert now and, you know, see what happens. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Enjoy the show. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Later. Bye-bye. And that was my conversation with the guys in Arcane Ghosts. A huge, huge shout out for them finding the time to do that having that conversation with me um be sure as always their socials are going to be linked in the description so be sure you head over like their page follow them all that fun stuff 
Uh, be sure you go stream the new EP and really just, you know, put these guys on the next tier because they really are a group that is authentic. They're playing for a passion of this, um, this project and this, just this like industry really, or this, this scene and genre, if you will, they are a hundred percent in on what they're doing and it's just really cool to see. So show them some love, uh, you know, promote their stuff, all of that. And yeah, that's everything I've got on that. Uh, when it comes to the, you make the scene stuff, hope you guys are enjoying everything you're hearing. We have a ton of uh, episodes already recorded that are going to be dropping very soon. We are lining up some incredible guests as well, which is going to be fucking dope. Um, I know it's been a little bit more sporadic, but uh, I did just have an incredible conversation for our Musicians for Mental Health podcast, uh, which you can find anywhere you're streaming this as well. Just search for Musicians for Mental Health, and for is spelled out, F-O-R. And if you can't find it, let me know, because I will give you the link to it. But just had an incredible conversation with Emmy Mack of the band Red Hook. Um, Really, really powerful stuff there. So, you know, if you're looking for a little bit more of a... uh, peek behind the curtain, if you will, on mental health and how that ties into their the music in general and things like that. Uh, that podcast is where I do a ton of that. I know we touch on it sometimes here, but um, we put a major, major focus on it on the other podcasts. So go check that out. Be sure you subscribe to it. And we've got a few more guests uh, that we're working on getting lined up for it as well. So hopefully those all come through relatively soon, and we can bring you more and more episodes of that as well. I am working on some new merch ideas. Um, I know I've said that a million fucking times, and we've done some tweaks, and we've done, you know, some changes to, like, what the material is, and, you know, the type of shirt, things like that. Um, but we actually have new designs coming soon, so definitely stay tuned for that. Would love if you guys would pick up some merch. Um, that would be insanely helpful to the podcast as well, because everything for the podcast gets paid for out of my own pocket. Uh, I make zero dollars on the podcast. I don't sell any advertising space or anything like that currently, um, And I really would prefer not to if I don't have to, because nobody really wants to listen to a podcast and have commercials in it. So, um, yeah, that's everything I've got for you guys. Be sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow us as well. Instagram and Facebook are the primary two for us. And we're looking forward to bringing you a lot of really cool conversations. So, as always, guys, remember, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other, and you make the scene.